Hello, everyone, and welcome back to In The Game Podcast with your host, JNT. Uh, it's been a long break for us. We've had a very long offseason, along with the NFL fans and everyone out there. But we are back and ready for the 2021-2022 NFL season. And we'd like to start off recapping the 2021 NFL draft. We're going to list each other's top five favorite and top five least favorite moves in this year's draft. Jeremy, would you like to start us off here? Yeah, you know, it's been a really long offseason. Uh I missed it. I missed it. You know, we got really busy with everything and, you know, it, we for sure didn't, didn't stay away from football though. You know, we went on and we've been talking, we've been chatting and, and we've been itching to get back here, but without any further ado, you know, let's, let's get into our list here. Uh, number one, you know, I got for my value pick is Trevor Lawrence. I think that it's obvious. I know we keep talking about him. We keep bringing it up. It's kind of the, the easy route to talk about, but Trevor Lawrence at number one, you know, the Jaguars solidified their starting spot for, for 10 plus years. And especially now, you know, they just traded Gardner Minshew for that conditional six-round pick. You know, Lawrence looks good. He looks slick. And, and he looks like the lock pick. He looks like the pick that, you know, you can still look back and say, you know, this is the guy, right? You look at him, he looks calm, collective. And he just looks NFL ready. So I think for my first value pick, I just it's easy to say, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, for my second one, I got Justin Fields at 11. You know, the Bears trading up and snagging Justin Fields was exactly what this organization needed to do. You know, they let Kyle Kyle Fuller walk at kind of the end of the free agency period and stuff. And it was it was questionable what the Bears were doing. But I think, you know, it's obvious now they kind of had a plan and they were in dire need for that quarterback. And they went ahead and got a dog in Justin Fields. So it's not if, but when this guy starts in 2021, he's going to be one of those players, you know, that we look back on in a few years and think, how did three quarterbacks go before him? I think it's going to play with a chip on his shoulder for that. And I think that Justin Fields is going to be a great pick for the Bears. On the other hand of the Bears trading up, uh, I think the Giants absolutely crushed it on draft day as well. I'm hopefully no biases there. It's my team. But trading back from 11, you know, where they knew they didn't have any players that they loved. Sertan was gone, you know, earning an extra first round pick and some fourth round picks in 2022, you know, and still getting a playmaker like Tony. It really excited me. Although I was never high on, on Kadarius Tony, I mean, at least not for a draft position as high as, as the 20th overall pick. I think the magic the Giants worked here, you know, still being able to pick up that edge guy they need, like Aziz Ojalari in the second. Yeah, I think it made me think twice a little bit about what Dave Gettleman has done these past couple of years in New York. For my fourth value pick, I, uh, I got Javante Williams at, at the 35th overall pick to the Broncos. I think Javante, you know, he's one of, if not, my favorite running backs coming out of uh, North Carolina and to see the Broncos get him where, where he was, was a perfect fit. I hate seeing RBs going in the first round, you know, like ET and Najee, but an early second round pick, I think it lifts a little bit of pressure off their shoulders and, and something like this, it puts Javante in, in a great position. I think Melvin Gordon is on kind of the other side of the hill for his career. And it's going to open up a, a huge window for opportunity for the rookie this season. And he's got an amazing roster. He's got amazing coaching and stuff. I think he's got a lot of potential. I would, uh, I think I'd put money on Williams getting, you know, 1,000, 1,500 plus scrimmage yards this season. I think he can do it. Uh, my final value pick this offseason, you know, this draft was Kellen Mond at 66 overall. Uh, I watched him in college a bit, but especially in the preseason. And I think this kid has it, man. You know, he'll have a great run game around him. Dalvin Cook, you know, that old line, you, you see him work magic. And he's got good weapons around him, good, you know, good receivers. He's got Adam Thielen, he's got Justin Jefferson. And I really see the Vikings having their franchise in good hands after Cousins stepped away. You know, I mean, he'll learn lots behind Cousins these next couple of years. And, and I think it's really going to benefit those, those Vikings. 
yeah, you know, I kind of see that exact same situation where you're talking about Kellen Mond there, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes first year, I know Patrick Mahomes is a different breed of a quarterback, but you know, that whole first year sitting behind a, a veteran quarterback like Alex Smith, you're getting that value and experience when you're not playing, even if you look at Jordan Love in the preseason this year, learning from behind Aaron Rodgers for a whole year, even though he never suited up, that experience you can tell has, has rubbed off on him. Oh, absolutely, right? I mean, you when you're a quarterback, you spend every day with with your with your fellow quarterbacks, right? You're in the room, you're in the field, everything, right? So you kind of learn from these guys like Cousins, like Smith, like Rodgers. And like I said, I think Kellamon, he has a lot of potential in this league. Okay, well, I'm just going to move into my top five favorite moves of the uh, 2021 NFL draft. Uh, my number one favorite move this offseason in the draft, I have to say the Bears trading up for Justin Fields at 11. We've yeah. seen Justin Fields. He, he was a top 10 prospect. He was easily should never have fallen out of the top 10. And somehow the Bears were able to trade up and get him at 11. And he just looks unreal at a, at a preseason. You know, he did take that one big hit, but for the most part, Fields looked like he's that guy in, in the Bears. And I know he probably won't start right away, but when he does, he'll come out blazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then, you know he's got a he's got a number one target in Al, in Allen Robinson, so he's he'll be fine for wide receivers. Uh, they got another young guy. Uh, they're they're set uh, for number two. My favorite move of the draft, the entire draft. I have the Browns getting Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa in the second round. Mm-hmm. The way that that man fell all the way out of the first and halfway through the day two. <laughs> It wasn't even fair. Uh, the Browns got themselves an absolute playmaker on defense on top of their additions that they got through a free agency. They're looking absolutely stacked. And JOK just going to be that ultimate X factor weapon. They can put wherever the hell they want. Uh, at number three, I have the Jets moving up for Elijah Vera Tucker. You know, they just drafted a, a, guard, a tackle last year and Mikai Becton. And, you know, you're just beefing up to that offensive line. You draft a quarterback at second overall pick. You need to protect them. You know, they, they're going to learn from their mistakes and they want to solidify a whole offensive line for their young franchise quarterback. So getting Elijah Vera Tucker trading up a little bit to get him, I think that's a great value pick right there. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that a lot too. Like you look at what happened with Joe Burrow and Cincy. You know, he didn't have much of an O-line and then your first overall, second overall pick is he's gone, right? So for them to beef up that O-line for Zach Wilson is huge. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're securing one side of your offensive line and you got a gadget guy, a guy that can play guard, center, and you can even slide him up to tackle if you need to. Yeah. You know, you're drafting a guy that can move around, and, and it's a perfect pick for them. At, at number four, like you were saying, you know, running backs, you know, they are the, some of those guys that got taken in the first round, Etienne and Najee. And like you were saying, Javante Williams getting taken in the second round was a great value. But I think the best value pick out of the running backs this year was Trey Sermon in the third. He looks unbelievable through preseason, through everything. He looks great through drills. And we all know that San Fran loves to do running back by committee. And we all know that they're running back right now. Their number one guy is always getting hurt, right? Raheem Mostert cannot stay healthy. And Trey yeah. Sermon in the third round is a young guy that looks very promising. And if he can go out there and ball out, that's a great pick for them in the third round. Yeah, and you know, the Niners know how to run the ball. So you know that Sermon's going to have a good scheme and get everything. So you, the Niners know how to run the ball. And I think that's a good fit. Yeah, it's perfect. You know, they, they just re-signed a franchise left tackle for a couple more years. So they're going to be okay at, at offensive line and, you know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. And I say my, my last and my favorite pick is trade Lance by the 49ers. You know, mm-hmm. some people are, are a little disappointed that how much they have to trade or whatever. And they still have Jimmy G or what are they doing with Jimmy G? But the way I see it is a win-win. If Jimmy G decides not to perform and doesn't do anything well, you have a young promising guy in Trey Lance that's been absolutely balling in preseason. But if he does seem to, to pick it up and, Jimmy is going to be the guy for the year. 
you're putting some target on his back. Like if he doesn't step it up, he's going to be benched. Like they gave yeah. him a reason. You see him diving headfirst into the end zone today in preseason. And you're like, wow, like he's still trying to be that guy. So yeah. you're just adding some more flame to the fire and you want to see a motivated Jimmy G. And if not, Trey Lance is that guy. Well, you know, I feel like it's always been kind of a thing with Jimmy G. Like he doesn't seem motivated. He doesn't seem like he always is putting in 110%. Like not, I'm not saying he doesn't love the game. I don't know the guy, but it's just like you said, you know, you get this backup, this young guy, it's, it's going to motivate him. It's going to make him get to his peak. Right? He's got to so fight for his job. He's got to he fight does. for his job. He does. So it's it like, is, it's, it's a win-win now. Oh, exactly. And, you know, you look at all these young quarterbacks, you know, besides Trevor Lawrence, who's been officially named the, the week one starter, all these other guys, oh, I guess Zach Wilson, but all those other guys are going to be backups, right? It's just, yeah. when can they take over? When are they going yeah. to get that chance to be the number one guy? And a lot of these other quarterbacks, they're going to be fighting for their job. And seeing a guy like Jimmy G, who was very disappointing last year, ha have a guy that can easily come in and replace him and maybe even perform better, it's going to definitely make him put a lot more effort in. Yeah, I mean, you, these guys, you know, Andy Dalton and uh, Jimmy G, they got to be nervous because these two guys are coming in in preseason and they're not looking bad. You know, these are looking like some seasoned players. Like they're Justin Fields and Trey Lance are looking like they've been here before, bro. They they look sharp. So Andy Dalton and Jimmy G definitely got to be shaking in their boots a little bit. You know, a lot of people compare these these draft quarterbacks, you know, to the year where it was Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, all those guys, Kyler Murray. And uh, they were talking like, oh, which one's going to be? The, the odd man out well yeah. so far it doesn't look like anyone I, it doesn't. Like they're all look like absolute ballers you know every single quarterback taken the first round has shown some sort of glimpse uh, of hope uh, there yeah. hasn't been anyone that's really underperformed that, that i've seen so far yeah i mean speaking of underperforming we could talk about our non-value picks here and you know speaking of quarterbacks speaking of all this i got uh zach wilson i want to buy non-value picks like we said they all look good and they all look sharp. And Zach Wilson does too. You know, this preseason, he's looked good. He has. But like we talked about a few times, you know, Zach Wilson in any other draft probably isn't worth that second overall pick. And, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I love to see guys succeed. I love to see guys ball out. But I don't think Wilson would be trash. But I just don't see the number two overall pick being valued there. You know, I think it was a reach. I think maybe he was worth where Fields. I think Fields and Wilson should have been swapped in these roles. But like, not, I'm not saying, like, like I said, I'm not saying Zach Wilson is going to stink, but I just think that for value picks, I don't like Zach Wilson at two. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I mean, a lot of people were criticizing and weren't too happy with the Jets' choice, but if he goes out there and proves everyone wrong, then what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. One of my other non-value picks here, I have uh, one that I said immediately. I mean, I saw it on draft night. I, I hated it off rip. It was Travis Etienne at number 25. You know, I hated this pick from the start. And many people disagree with me. You know, the Jaguars already had an amazing running back in their backfield. He was excellent at everything they asked him to do. The Jags had so many other holes to address. And, and them taking an RB this high, you know, it, it really scared me. You know, and after seeing Etienne go down with this bad foot injury, it kind of made my early speculations on him look not so idiotic. You know, because like I said, running backs are workhorses. They're not worth that high overall pick. They're so it's a such a replaceable position. And other the other positions they needed weren't so replaceable. So to see Travis Etienne, yes, you know, I respect his talent. I respect everything he did for Clemson. I just him at 25 was a pick I hated from the start. And seeing him go down with this injury, it just, you know, it kind of solidified my speculation. So Travis Etienne at 25, that's one of my non-value picks. Yeah, you know, you look at a guy like Travis Etienne 
Um, he was an absolute baller in, in college, but he's a, he's going into a position where there's already a, a solidified running back. You know, they don't need to go out there and waste a first round pick on a position that has a very short shelf life. Oh. You know, a guy that's already going to be down with a first year injury, won't be playing a single snap in the regular season. Well, what does that do for a player like that? You know, you look at all the other type of running backs who can go out there and get injured. You see a guy like Saquon not, not come back healthy since his rookie year. You, you know, you look at a guy who got drafted in the first round, you know, is he ever going to be able to be that guy? Yeah. Is it a, yeah. it was a waste of a pick because it was a position they didn't need. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like, we look at this now, the guy that they had, James Robinson, thousand rushing yards, had a great season. He was undrafted. So to think, to take ETN with a first round pick compared to an undrafted, and you got, in my eyes, two of, you know, equal ability running backs. It's just, it's extremely difficult to see a guy at that position go at number 25. Running backs are probably the hardest position to kind of value. Like, you know, you got, look at a guy like Sony Michelle. He was picked before a guy like Nick Chubb, and they're completely different atmospheres yeah. of running backs. You look at a guy like Philip Lindsay. He was another undrafted running back who went for 1,000 yards. And then two seasons later, he, he's on a different team. He's going to be running back by committee. He's not doing anything. You know, yeah. a, running, a running back can go out there and have an amazing season and then never, ever eclipse that same level of excellence again. So you draft a guy like that when your entire defense needs to get some help. I know that you're, you're best friends and you're on the same team as the guy you picked at number one overall but it just wasn't worth the pick. No, and that only gets you so far. I mean, we, we, you're probably going to talk about it right away with Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, right? You needed that O-lineman, but you took Jamar Chase. So, yeah, you said, like, it's a relationship with the quarterback receiver. Sure, it's cool and it's cute, but, you know, it's, it's business, right? You can't, be, you can't be getting twisted up in that stuff. You got to just go with the sure picks and, and you know, just, just do what's right. And Travis at 25, to me, just wasn't right. One of my next uh, non-value picks here was the Bucks taking Kyle Trask. I know you kind of talked to me about this one too. And I think it's, it's decent, you know, value-wise, I guess. But I don't understand why you take a, you know, a mediocre quarterback in my eyes when you literally have the GOAT <laughs> throwing, you the, throwing you the rock. You know, I'm just, just not a fan of this pick at all. I guess you could look at, you know, down the road, Kyle, Kyle Trask might do. And you could argue the Bucks kind of had that roster that they, they needed already. They didn't really need anything, but... I don't think Kyle Trask was a good enough quarterback to be taken to the Buccaneers. And I just, to me, when you have the GOAT, you know, playing as your quarterback, you don't need a guy like this. Well, the way I see it, it's like you're taking a guy in the second round. I mean, yeah, that team doesn't need much for positions. You know, they brought their entire starting lineup from the Super Bowl that they just won back to the team. So it's not that they're out there looking for holes. But, you, I mean, I guess you're going to sit there and learn behind Tom Brady for a year. But you can easily go out there and get another veteran quarterback to come back up Tom Brady and grab another position like offensive line or defensive yeah. line, you know, it's easy for one of those guys to go down with an injury. And if you don't have enough holes and back up there, that's a lot more positional value than a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Like that's just, I, you could even take a depth position, right? Take a receiver, take a corner, some a D lineman, somewhere where you can shift them around, but like a quarterback, you don't play two quarterbacks at a time, right? You play one. So to see this, I just, I, I wasn't just, a, I just wasn't a fan of it at all. <laughs> Especially for a My, quarterback that, sorry to cut you off, but especially for no a quarterback worries. that really didn't show any promise or anything crazy oh, talent-wise in college. I mean, yeah, there were some glimpses, but to take a guy like him in the second round, you'd be better off with a guy like Kellen Mond who got taken later. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I think to me, like, Kyle Trask and uh, uh, who much, Mac Jones, they kind of remind me of the same thing, right? They don't have the highest of ceilings, but, you know, I guess you got a guy like quarterback, like Tom Brady, hoping he'll, you know, kind of wean him in a little bit, make him a good quarterback. But I don't know. To me, Kyle Trask here was, was a reach. I, I don't love it. 
My final pick here uh, for non-value picks is Peyton Turner at number 28 to the Saints. This is a guy that I, I hardly heard of, you know, before I heard he went in the first round. And to me, it was just, it was just a bad pick. You know, he wasn't better than most of the D linemen up on the board that the Saints could have grabbed. And to take Peyton Turner number 28, you know, the first round, it just kind of disgusted me. I think some of the guys the Saints could have had, and they just took Peyton Turner instead. It just made me laugh, right? To me, this was just, it was just a bad pick. It was not worth the value at all. I, I, I don't like this at all. Yeah, you know, especially with the amount of cuts they have to do this offseason for the salary cap reasons. You know, they lose Janoris Jenkins, they lose this, they lose that. You know, you'd be better off trying to fill up a hole where you don't have anything compared to a guy. You still have, you know, an elite uh, pass rusher. Uh, you don't, yeah, in Cam Jordan, you don't need a guy like him. That's not, a, and especially a guy that doesn't really have that upside that I've seen out of other players yeah. that are drafted later. You know, it just wasn't a very smart pick, in my opinion, either. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, they could have had a guy like the Giants took Aziz Ojolari, who, again, I wasn't extremely high on, but I definitely like the look of Aziz over Peyton, Peyton Turner for sure. Yeah, you know, I'll just go right into my bottom five picks as well. You know, kind of we were kind of in the similar boat, a little different, but my, my least favorite move of the entire draft was Jamar Chase. You know, we've seen Joe Burrow yeah. this preseason. And he looks scared out there. He looks like he doesn't want to risk anything or do anything crazy because he's afraid. And his offensive line didn't get any better. They didn't address it any, stinks. anything this offseason to make it any better. And you're just getting a guy who just came off of a, a season-ending injury and a big season-ending injury at that. And you didn't go out there and help him at all. You just drafted more weapons when you already have two absolute studs in Tyler yeah. Moore and T. Higgins. I know he's – and we just talked about – we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But, I mean, there's already – reports that jamar chases with his baby mom or a girlfriend or whatever like there's bad reports coming out about him right now and, and he looked terrible in preseason he i know he hasn't played football in like a year and a half but he just has not looked impressive at all yeah i know and like jamar chase was my favorite wide receiver coming out of the draft he's my he's been my favorite receiver in college for you know for a while i absolutely love this guy but like you know we, we talked about this lot jamar chase was not the pick to the Bengals in any way you, you sh- they needed to take you know an old lineman Suell, a hall of fame old lineman future hall of famer and and like we said this is just a bad pick it can be cute it can be fun it was a sexy pick Jamar Chase. it was, yeah, a, sexy it was pick. a sexy pick that's right it was a sexy pick and it just it, it was not what they needed no it was just it was the thing that oh I'm gonna sell tickets that's what it yeah. was it wasn't I'm gonna make my club any better yeah you know it's like the same thing I see with number two I have ETN to the Jaguars as my second least favorite move this offseason. It's a sexy pick. You draft yeah. the running back and the quarterback duo from college, and you think they're going to come in there and play the same way they did in college. Now you have Travis ETN down with a season-ending injury. Well, it doesn't help Trevor Lawrence any. Their offensive line isn't that great either. You know, yeah. they're still – I mean, they addressed some wide receiver weapons, but that defense is still absolutely god-awful. There is definitely better picks at that position that they could have taken to help build – a franchise cornerstone instead of a position that's got a very short shelf life, shelf life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at three, I think this could easily be number one or two. I got Alex Leatherwood going to the Raiders. I mean, this is a thing that the Raiders do all the time. They reach <laughs> for guys that they could get in this another round or late or whatever. You know, we've seen this years, like what, two years ago when they drafted a guy that no one ever thought was going to get drafted there. Like they drafted, yeah. they drafted like pick four. The guy hasn't done anything. Nothing. Like, yeah. like, I mean, they just reach on a guy just because they trade back. You're at a position where you don't need to reach there. I know they just got rid of their offensive line, but they drafted a guy at, at that pick when there was a better prospects available. They drafted Alex yep. Leatherwood when 
Christian Darisol was still on the board. Yep. I mean, they, they just absolutely blew it. And this is the thing that the Raiders always seem to do. You know, they traded and cut how many other offensive linemen this year. It's going to be a tough year for Raiders. You know, Derek Carr, and they're going to try to run the ball. But their offensive line was their entire thing last year. That was their entire offense. And now it's It gone. was. And, and to me, you know, Josh Jacobs is one of the most overrated running backs in the league. I mean, I like, the, I like him. But to me, he's, extre- he's extremely overrated. And for you to not address the position properly it's just it's tough to see because yeah you can say you address the whole line but like you said you saw who was on the board and you think did you really address it properly yeah you know exactly I mean I look at this with a lot of running backs every running back is basically a product of their offensive line there mm-hmm. are those there are those playmakers there are those Christian McCaffrey's there are those Alvin Kamara's there are those Derrick Henry's those some of those guys no matter what they're going to get you yards they're going to do other stuff and they're playmakers but for the most part, 75% of the running backs in the league are products of their offensive line. Yeah. And he is definitely one of them. Josh Jacobs is definitely a product of his offensive line. Yeah, I look at a guy like Zeke. Zeke reminds me of a product of his offensive line. You know, you look back at those days when he was rushing for like 1,500 yards. His offensive line was a top three offensive line in the league. Oh, absolutely. And this most recent year when there was injuries, it didn't look the same Zeke Elliott that we've seen in years past. It didn't. And I know a lot of people kind of, not a lot, but a few people kind of bash me for my my hot takes on Zeke, me saying he's not that good. But I know you agree as well. Like, he's he just a product of his O-line. You're a Steelers fan. You saw what the situation with Le'Veon Bell. He left. He got the big bay. Look what happened. You know, yeah. it's all in the O-line. Yeah, you know, you get a guy that was absolutely amazing for Pittsburgh, a top three running back in the league, maybe even one a lot of people called him when he was on the Steelers in 2015, 2016. Yeah. And, you know, he goes from a team with a top offensive line to a team with no offensive line and, and, and the guy couldn't get a, a rush over 20 yards his entire career there. Yeah. You know, it, it's just crazy to think that it, it's going to be the same situation with the Raiders this year. And I, I'm not looking forward to that. You no, know, at, at my number four pick, I know some people, I mean, this is a little bit farther back, but I have back-to-back receivers going here. I have Tutu Atwell and Dwayne Eskridge. You know, I think they're both positions that were not needed by both teams. I got the Rams, Seahawks, back-to-back picks, 56-57. They took wide receivers. Tutu Apple's a track star. He's going to be a career. He's going to be a career special teamer. And you're taking him in yeah. the second. You're, ta- you're taking him with, with a late pick in 56, 57. And what's he going to do? You already have two receivers and you don't have very many picks in your draft. Why are you taking a guy like him? And if you take a look at the Seahawks, they don't have any picks yet. They take a receiver when they already have two studs. You know, there's yeah. way more positions that needed to get taken there. They just didn't address it. You know, the Seahawks have always had an extremely questionable draft performance, though. You know, what was that one year? They took, like, three or four running backs in yeah, the draft? Yeah, four running backs in the draft. You know, they, yeah. they, they, you know, they went from one being one of the best drafting teams when they used to draft you know, Earl Thomas, uh, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, all those guys. Late. Russell Wilson, right? Like, yeah, like, exactly. They, they were the, one of the best teams doing that, and they went from being one of the best teams to basically wanting to trade their picks away so they don't mess up the draft. Yeah, Jamal Adams, baby. Like, I, yeah, we'll talk about that later too, but he just signed a big contract extension, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't like either of those picks. And finally, my last pick is kind of questionable. I don't know. I can see otherwise, but I just think that what the Giants did to trade back was smart, but I just don't think their, their selection at 20 was smart. I think Tony was a reach. You know, they just signed, uh, they just signed Kenny Galladay. You know, they don't need another receiver. They already have, he, he's probably wide receiver four or five on the death chart and they drafted him in the first round. 
You know, you, you have so many guys, you just saw a guy like John Ross out of the free agency and you have way too many people in that locker room when you still have holes on the offensive line. I know, I know recently, I know Andrew Thomas is just a recent first round pick and he's still had time to prove himself, but he's also looked very, very poor. And, you know, they took Darius 20 at 20 and Christian Darisaw was also still on the board. You know, th- there was guys like Quiddy Pay on the board, Caleb Farley on the board, uh, Greg Newsom, like positions that I think that they could have used a lot better. I just didn't think they needed to take a wide receiver at 20. Yeah. You know, coming from a Giants fan, I can agree with that because like you said, them trading back and I talked about the value picks, them trading back huge right that's amazing they got a second they got a first round pick next year and you know the way i see it is they got two first round picks daniel jones stinks again this year okay now they have some draft capital they have some insurance right they can trade up they can get the quarterback they want but like you said you know Kadarius tony he's gonna be the wide receiver four or five like you know you have the sterling shepherd who's your slot guy in my opinion he's one of the best slot guys in the league has the potential to be and you got kenny galladay you got darius slayton and you just signed john ross so what is Kadarius Tony really going to do there, right? I, I can totally exactly. agree. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like I said, I agree 100%. You know, trading back, you know, they didn't want, they didn't like who they had there. You know, they had players that's taken that they wanted. So trade back, get that extra first. Great, great pick there. But you're going to draft a guy at 20 that you didn't really need. I think that was the only problem I have with that. But I do like their trading back. Yeah. So I think the Giants overall had a good draft based on that. But I think the pick that they had at 20 was just very underwhelming. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. Yeah, you, you know, I think the draft this year went pretty similar to what a lot of us thought, you know, where players are going. There was a few surprises. I mean, I, I didn't see the, the Broncos getting Patrick Sertan. I, I thought that, you know, the Cowboys would get him. So that required the Cowboys to trade back. And you yeah. know, the Eagles, Eagles were allowed to trade up and get Devontae Smith. I think that was an honorable mention, in my opinion, for a favorite move. Uh, Devontae Smith had looked very impressive in preseason for the Philadelphia Eagles. And it kind of shook up the draft a lot with the Broncos taking Patrick Sertan. Yeah, you know, right now, Devonta Smith is reminding me heavily of Jerry Judy. He's got, you know, the filthy routes. He's, he's getting clean off the routes, clean off the line, everything. But there's been a few times where it's, it's easy it's easy catching, he's dropping them. So, like I said, Jerry Judy was like, what he was my favorite route runner coming out of that draft. And he could get open. He could get open for sure. But he just got to work on that catching. I think Devonta Smith is going to be an elite wide receiver in the future. But he just he's got to focus on those mitts a little bit. Yeah, like no, said, I definitely I definitely agree with your like Jerry Judy comparison. Like I think he's gonna have a very similar year to Jerry Judy because Jerry Judy did have drop problems his first year, and I think Devonte Smith could be right in line for that. I mean, Devonte Smith is basically coming into a team with no solidified wide receiver one. You know, so Devonte is gonna be that wide receiver one. I mean, Jerry Judy was supposed to be the wide receiver two last year for the Broncos, and then. They had a, a season-ending injury for Corlin Sun, so he basically became wide receiver one on that team. So he was getting guarded by the best corner. I think Devontae Smith is going to get guarded by the best corner as well, and I think it's going to be the same situation. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mean, you look at the, you know, kind of that that division too. Like they don't got a lot of a lot of huge ballers. I mean, they got Bradbury, but the Cowboys don't really have that number one or, or that number one corner, and neither does does Washington either. So. I think Devontae can have a good season. I think I think he's going to eat people up on his routes. But like you said, he's kind of working on his hands. And, you know, the Eagles kind of – they, they have to figure out what they're doing, right? They just signed Gardner Minshew. And, yeah, you know, you know. It's, it's definitely some work going to be going down for Philadelphia. I do, th- like, I do see Philadelphia being the bottom team in that division. I just think they have too many holes and too many outcomes to go wrong than go right. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll see how the season goes. I, I think what we should move on to next is kind of a little bit of a recap, uh, get everyone caught back up on what's going to happen this offseason and kind of what's happening through the preseason. Yeah, you know, it's it's been as exciting as it was, I guess, to see, you know, fans back, teams back. 
everything kind of back to normal. It was kind of an underwhelming, you know, off season, I guess. Like there wasn't any big news. I mean, there was the stuff with like Cole Beasley and the no masking, all that, you know, kind of BS, but really there wasn't a lot of stuff that kind of made your eyes go wide. Right. I, know. I mean, I mean, the only really big thing that happened this off season was the, is there going to be a retirement in green Bay or is there going to be a player or a trade or what's happening with green Bay? That was really the only big situation that I, that would really happen this off season is Aaron Rodgers going to be a green Bay Packer this year. Yeah. You know, I, I, my, that did kind of blink in my mind, actually, that was a huge situation, you know, when they were all over social media with their last dance references and the, and the references to the uh, the Bulls, you know, general manager. And, you know, it was, that was definitely kind of shaking a bit. There was, you know, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, you know, we weren't sure if they were going to try and get out or if, they, you know, they said it's their last dance. But Aaron Rodgers said recently, you know, he doesn't want fans and teams and everyone to treat this season like it's the last ride, right? You know, he wants, so maybe it's, it's just an act right now. He's just trying to play it off, but it's going to be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Yeah, you know, uh, that was probably the biggest news the offseason. I think the only bigger news that I could possibly think of uh, this offseason is kind of just the injuries that have been happening in preseason. You know, we just take a look at a guy like J.K. Dobbins who just went down with an injury. You know, like this one reporter just re- tweeted that uh, J.K. Dobbins actually liked uh, Taylor. She's an anchor and reporter for the NFL Network. She tweeted, I just don't understand playing stars in the preseason. She said, can't convince me otherwise. And J.K. Dobbins liked this tweet right after his season-ending injury. And, you know, we both kind of agree with this. You know, yeah, they do need to get some reps, but it's preseason. You don't need to be out there on the field, especially that late or especially the week before. You know, maybe a, a one or two reps, but, I mean, they don't need to be playing the, the starters like they have been. Oh, I 100% agree with that. You know, it, it's preseason. They're exhibition games. They don't count for nothing. Like you said, something like this happens with J.K. Dobbins where – the MRIs are saying he just tore his ACL for, for a nothing game. So you have a guy who is going to be, you know, a franchise running back possibly this kicking it off this season. Now he's out. He was so, in line to be one of the top rushers this year on a run heavy offense. And now he's done with the season ending injury. And you know what for, like we were saying, they, that's the whole reason to practice and scrimmage in practice is to get game ready, but you don't need to be game ready for a preseason game. Exactly. You know, you know who your starters are going to be. And if you don't, you know, use that in practice, use that in like the organized scrimmages with, against teams, you know, you don't need to go out there and, and put your guys in that hundred percent game speed, full contact, you know, where you risk so many injuries because it's football, you know, you're going to get hurt. You get hurt in practice, but this is just a situation that, you know, like that tweet, it's just, you shouldn't be doing it. And, you know, I hate to refer to the giants. I always, I feel like I'm being biased, but I'm going to do it one more time. You know, people have been kind of criticizing Joe judge for not playing his starters together and stuff this whole off season. But he's kind of doing it right. You know, why are you forcing all these guys to be playing for a nothing game? You know what I mean? You're just going to get them hurt. You're just going to get them tired. And, and, you know, like you said, you can get game ready in practice. It's, it's not that much different. And, and the worst part about it is, you know, you have all these starters. You have starters playing and stuff. They're going against guys that are fighting for their lives to get on a r- practice roster just to give themselves money and chances and actually an opportunity to play for the team. These guys are going 100%. They're going to be playing game speed all day, every day, where a lot of these first teamers are just out there kind of half-assing it, kind of feeling it out. Exactly. You, know, the, 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 you see those two guys that, that hit J.K. Dobbins. They're out there playing like they would play in real life, fourth down, fourth and one, Super Bowl, everything on the line. They're out there fighting for a contract. So yeah, they're why, fighting for their job, right? Like so, so why are you playing a guy that's gonna be your your starting running back for the entire season? You shouldn't be playing him in that situation. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. And like it's just 
it's tough to see because we see this happen every year, year in, year out. You know, people go down, but teams just don't learn. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't like it at all. Yeah, you know, I, I, I do understand some teams wanting the first team offense to get snapped before the regular season. But like I said, and like we both agree on, the, that's practice. Why yeah. do you practice? You practice so that you are ready for when it's time. Preseasons for the, like we said, for the backups. They're for the guys that are fighting to be on your roster. If someone goes down, they're there. Well, yeah, because how big is how big is the NFL roster in the preseason? In the preseason, it's like 83, yeah, 80-some 80 man. So you got to cut down to what? Fit, what is 50, it, 52? 52. Yeah, 52. So that's where all these dogs should be playing, you know, fighting. That's where you should look back and say, okay, no, we want him, we want him, we want him. You know you're starting 22 guys. You know who's going to be there. You know who you want. You had all this offseason to figure that out. You signed these free agents. That's who you're obviously going to be keeping. Starting them, you know, getting them together, that's just – it's useless. I, I disagree with it. You know, it's it's like, like half your roster is going to be guys that are playing and the other half your roster is the guys that should be fighting for their position. So you take an 80 man team that you start with. Right. Yeah. So that means you have 40 men, 40 to 60 men that are out there playing. Those are the guys you use in preseason. Yeah. You cut those 40 to 60 players down to 30. That's the whole point of it. You don't start the guy that's going to be there day one, no matter what starting first play. Exactly. It just, yeah, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, Speaking of injuries, you know, there's been like a couple more this offseason. You know, Saquon Barkley, how he's been doing. You know, we talked about ETN a little bit. And like we said, it's football. There's too many things that can go wrong. You shouldn't be jeopardizing these star guys like J.K. Dobbins in these situations. It's so easy, you know, even like, as I say, for like watching the Pittsburgh preseason games, you know, I see Chase Claypool go, fall down hard and he's, he's winded. Thank God it's only that. But, you know, it's so easy for one thing to go wrong. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's just. You, I, I don't you see like even look sorry sorry to cut you off but like no you even see how badly Justin Fields got lit up in that one game where he got hit to the head and his head helmet, came off, helmet everything came, came off. off yeah it's like I mean yeah he needs to get reps in because he's probably gonna be quarterback two starting but at the same time like these some of these guys are getting absolutely killed out there how, yeah how do you as Matt Nagy your head coach see that and just say well it's it's preseason like no man you you know like I said Justin Fields yeah you know he's gonna be on your team and that stuff. And yeah, he needs some reps, but you shouldn't be risking it this much. You know what I mean? It's just, to me, I don't, it's, it's low risk or high risk, low reward. You know, it's, it's, it's not worth it. No, exactly. Um, I think we should move into next. Um, I, like we were talking a little bit earlier, Trevor Lawrence is now officially quarterback one starting in Jacksonville. I know the rumors all off season is Trevor Lawrence going to be quarterback one? They're, oh, they're not saying Trevor Lawrence is quarterback one. We all knew along that Trevor Lawrence is going to be quarterback one. We all knew it. And yeah. Now that it's official, you know, they trade Gardner Minshew. That was their thing. Yeah, Gardner's gone. We're putting it all on Trevor Lawrence. But now that Gardner got traded to the Eagles, what does that mean for Jalen Hurts? You know, Jalen Hurts was projected to be the starting quarterback. But now you got Joe Flacco, Gardner Minshew, two guys that are still okay enough to play and be a starting quarterback. So what are they going to do there? Because Jalen Hurts showed a lot of upside, but he's still not that guaranteed superstar. So now you have a three quarterback room full of guys that are all okay. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts to me is the most disrespected starting quarterback in the NFL right now. I am a major Jalen Hurts fan. And, you know, as a leader, as a person, and, and honestly, as a player, I see a lot of a guy like Kyler Murray in him, you know, not as mobile, but he has that same style. And for the Eagles to be disrespecting Jalen Hurts as much as they are, I just, I hate it. Even when he was, he was, you know, he was there with Wentz and that whole situation, like it was dramatic, bro. Hurts was constantly getting, you know, kind of shoved around 
And now well, we, we, we see, see we've seen Carson Wentz throw absolute ducks all year long, and they refuse to let him play. Yes, you know, Jalen, and then when Jalen Hurts went in there, he balled out. You know, he had a great game, rushing, passing. He looked good. He has the potential. I think what the Eagles need to do is they need to look back, they need to see what they have, and they just need to commit to it. If, they got to give him the keys. Sucks, they got to give him the keys. They do. And like you said, you can't – a guy's not going to perform at his best when the team's not behind him, right? If the, if the team's constantly like – It hurts oh, their confidence. It hurts a quarterback's it does. confidence. It does. And that's what I mean. Like, I just – I think that they just need to sit back, you know, look at Jalen Hurts and say, just go. Run with yeah. it. You I, just don't, your... I, just, I just don't understand what the Eagles are thinking. You know, they traded away Carson. They're like, yep, Jalen Hurts is our guy. He's our guy. He's going to be the guy. And is he the guy now? Like, they're trading for another quarterback who's still a very serviceable quarterback who played very well for Jacksonville when he did play. And they traded for, like, they're just stacking the quarterback group. It's like, why? You you have to give him the chance to go and prove that he's that guy. Exactly. You got to show that you're behind him, right? And even if you look at it from the Jacksonville side of things too, though, them trading Gardner Minshew to me wasn't a very good move either. Because yeah, you know, you know what Trevor Lawrence, you know, is probably going to do. You know who he is, what he can do. But Gardner Minshew was probably the best backup quarterback in the league. You know what I mean? He was, I was talking to like our friend Jacob and he said that they're going to trade Minshew. And I said, they'd be idiots to do it because you, you like I said, talk about insurance before. You have that guy behind you, right? You don't got to worry if you go down. I said, there's no way they trade him. And they did. And then on the other hand, I thought, well, where, where is he going to go? And I thought to the Eagles, you know, I thought this was Jalen Hurts season. I thought this was Jalen Hurts time. And now you got Garner Minshew, you know, right on his ass, who honestly, knowing the Eagles, they're probably going to start flacco over all of them. But it's just, it, it sucks to see because I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Yeah, no, I know. I Talking about quarterback uh, controversy, uh, like the Mac Jones situation in New England kind of, I've seen a lot throughout this preseason. Mac Jones looks like Tom Brady 2.0. Yeah. He is sitting there throwing checkdowns, playing the Patriot football way. And it's just not what Cam is. Cam is not that type of quarterback. And I, I feel like Cam is a very short leash on the Patriots this year. I know they signed him to a big deal, but I think Cam Noon's more of a support for Mac Jones this year. I think Cam Noon goes, starts, plays terrible like he did last year, passes for 140, 130 yards. And they're like, okay, Mac, we're going to let, we're going to run the ball. We're going to check the ball down. We're going to play the way the Patriots play football. I think Mac Jones is going to be starting quarterback by week four in New England. Yeah, actually, I, I, I can agree with that. I, I do feel bad for Cam Newton because so many people are calling him washed, so many people. But Cam Newton was going to have a good season last year. Cam Newton looked good. He was going to be good. It's too bad he got hurt. It's too bad he got COVID. But like you said, now, you know, they re-signed him and looked like he was the guy. But I think everybody knew that they were going to take Mac Jones because, like you said, Mac Jones is Tom Brady. And to see him out there, the way, you know, the way he plays, the way he throws the ball, everything, checks down, check downs. And although I don't love Mac Jones, I think he's capable of making, you know, the deeper throws. Although he's not mobile, I think, like you said, the Patriots are going to test the waters with, with Cam. You know, they're, the, the Patriots are expected to win prop 10 games now. They reloaded and this year. They, they, they spent did. a lot of money on that offense. And I feel like if Cam Newton can't figure anything out with that offense or the way they got weapons, the way they added to it, I think they just give up on him. They'd have no they need no loyalty to him. They have a one-year deal with him, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I see Mac Jones starting week four, week five, and, and I'm playing good. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the way. I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. They're going to find a way to win games. You know, even if you look back when Tom Brady was suspended and they had 
you know, Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo starting at quarterback, they went out there and won. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at those guys and like we said, they're not amazing quarterbacks. They're game managers. And I mean, I, as much as Tom Brady's the goat, he's going to always be the goat. Tom Brady is not the most elite quarterback prospect or talent we've ever seen. There's quarterbacks that are hundred percent better than him, but he's a product of how well the offense is ran around him. I agree. I I, like Jones you said, is going to be that same situation. Yeah. And Mac Jones is just the guy that you, you need to go in there and just not suck. You know, like I, I look, who, who was I talking about earlier? Uh, I can't remember who we, there's another quarterback I'm blanking right now, but you just need a guy to go in there and, and play good. Teddy Bridgewater. That's who I'm thinking of yeah. drew lock. You know, you, he can go out and get the deep ball. He can, he can risk it for the biscuit, throw it all the way, but their defense is good enough. The, the Broncos defense is good enough. Just like the Patriots. You just need a guy to go in there, score you a few touchdowns, not turn the ball over and let your defense win the game. And I think that's what they got with Mac Jones. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, as we were saying, there's a lot of quarterback controversy this year. You know, so many teams went and either drafted a quarterback or added a quarterback to their team or, you know, something like that, or, or have had quarterbacks on the team and they're just figuring out who they want to start now. I mean, Teddy, like, I bet you there's going to be 10 to 15 new starting quarterbacks this year throughout the different, throughout the season. There's gonna be, I think this year will be the most quarterbacks ever ran this, like getting actual playing time this year out of any other year. Yeah, you know that. That's I actually like that take. You, we should keep that keep that safe because you might be onto something. I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams with two serviceable quarterbacks. Yes, and there's a lot of teams like you said, like even like not just rookies, but you got guys like Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. You know, even Daniel Jones, Mike Glennon. You got the two rookies. You know, Justin you got, Fields. You got you got Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Yes, you exactly. Know? You know, you know there's a lot of teams that just have two guys. There is. And like the Cam Newton, Mac Jones, there's a lot. Like you said, I like that take though. There, that there's a good chance that this, you know, plus injuries, right? People get yeah. hurt. There could be a lot of quarterbacks starting this season. It's gonna be really exciting to see how it how it goes down too. I mean, like like we said, Mac Jones, he's the first round quarterback. He's the backup right now. Trey Lance, first round quarterback. He's the backup right now. You know, um, there's one other guy on blanket. Yeah, Justin Fields. He's the backup first round quarterback. They're easily in line to probably start sometime this year. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks getting playing time or switching around this year. So I, I definitely do see that is what's going to be happening in this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have any other preseason news you want to talk about here? Um, the only other thing I could really address that I could talk about quickly here is the Michael Thomas situation. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, he decided to get a surgery super late and, you know, the, the a Saints reporter, you know, started bashing him about it because they say the Saints organization was very upset because he didn't return any phone calls. So then Michael Thomas tweeted out, you know, um, a picture that said they try to damage your reputation. And he said, you saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. So there's a lot of drama going on uh, with the Saints organization with, with Michael Thomas. You know, he's not going to play the first, you know, six games this year, maybe the whole season, the whole season. It's up to him, really. Um, but I bold take here. I think Michael Thomas is in the Saints by the end of the year. I think he gets traded. Yeah, you know, this is funny. This is kind of another one of those things where I, I feel like I, I predicted because I, I drafted him in fantasy last year at like the third overall and he got hurt. And normally, you know, you, for a guy like that, you wait for his injury. But I said, no, I don't want him. You know, I heard about a little bit of the drama. I heard about that stuff. I said, I don't want this guy. I ran away. And now we look at it now. The drama is there between the Saints and Michael Thomas. You know, he thinks he's the best. He wants to be the best. He wants the team to, you know, adore him. And they kind of don't. And like you said, why would he kind of disrespect the team like that and wait that long to, uh, you know, address that surgery. 
you know, that's, it, it's not good. And, and it's a lot of drama there. And that is a hot take, but I can agree with it. I, I could see Michael Thomas not in a Saints uniform. I mean, I think the Saints kind of just give up. Like they're kind of, I, I feel like the Saints, uh, there's just no communication with those two. I feel like it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation. It's like, yeah. what's going to happen? You know, I think Aaron Rodgers is in, the, is in the Packer within the next year. I think this is his last year with the Packers, then he's gone. Like, I just think that certain guys just get fed up with an organization. I feel like the NFL is starting to kind of move towards more of a NBA type of style where teams trade and, or, and trade stars like it's nothing or stars request trades. That would never happen back in the day. You played your entire team or you were you signed out of free agency. There was no trades with superstars. It was very rare. You got the odd occasions, you know, the Randy Mosses and stuff like that. But it, nowadays, you know, get you get the guys like Deshaun Watson wanting out and, and all these guys that are willing to ask, request a trade. It's totally different than what it was 10 years ago. And you know why, though? I mean, this guy could be wrong, but I, I don't think I am. It's the social media. And it's the, you know, it's the online life with all these guys have. So when something... You know, there was always media, yes, but it wasn't so, you know, easily accessible to everybody. So when one little inconvenience goes wrong, boom, it's immediately blown it's up. everywhere. Right? Exactly. It's everywhere. So yeah. that, you know, then it's beef and then it's fake news and then it's everything. So then, like you said, it blows everything out of proportion and these superstars, you know, want out. Whereas back then, you know, this stuff happened, but, you know, nowadays it's almost like the media hears before the coach does or the media hears before the player does. Where back then, you know, there wasn't that, you know, the media wasn't the middleman. So that's why I think that that comes into play where it's so much different now. But like you said, there's just a lot more divas at the same time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just crazy how, like you were saying, the social media aspect is huge because it's so easy for a guy to go out there and talk. You know, you look at a guy like AB, you know, how he blew up on, on social media and now he is a Super Bowl champion. You know, you look at a guy like Le'Veon Bell who's bashing certain t- coaches or teams and you know there's easy easily it's too easy to get out there you know rumor, rumors get spread you know there's all these reporters talking and there's always people trying to make a story and it's just it's just crazy how much has changed and the league's going to continue to go this direction it is and you know speaking of this, this is a perfect way to kind of hop into this deshaun watson you know there is i can bet you any amount of money this type of crap happened 20 30 40 50 years ago in the nfl but it never surfaced because there wasn't a platform for that to do so. You know, we look at Deshaun Watson. What was there, like 20-plus allegations and stuff? And he would he would be in the clear if it wasn't for this, you know, this social media aspect. And like you said, now, what's the situation with Deshaun Watson? You know, what do you think is going to happen? It's so hard to tell with a guy like him. I know we addressed it quite a while ago. But, I mean, since we talked about it last, no news has resurfaced. Like, it's basically been dead under the water. You get the odd maybe little bit here, but, like, I haven't heard a single thing about the Deshaun Watson. All I know is Deshaun Watson is right now quarterback four and he's running safety drills. Like <laughs> like what's going on in Houston? You know, and some people might look at it and say, you know, oh, it's good. You know, it must be going well. We, we are hearing of Deshaun Watson. You know, that's not good for Deshaun, you know, because if you want, if you're Deshaun Watson, you want this to be resolved and gone because you want to play football. And as long as this is lingering and as long as it's not going anywhere, Deshaun Watson won't be playing football, you know, well, and, Exactly. Like uh, he's not going to be a tech. He's not going to play for the Texas this year. That's a guaranteed thing. We might not see Deshaun Watson in any uniform this year, depending if a trade goes through. But the fact that the Houston Texans are still asking for as much as they are for a guy that we don't know the future of is absurd. They're asking for three first round picks and two second round picks. Like that is so much value for a guy that may never play football again, depending on how bad these accusations turned out to be and how 
the future of it goes. And like you say, we might not see him in a new uniform this year. We may not ever see him, you know, on a football field again. If this stuff goes haywire, which I genuinely think it will, you know, there's a lot of allegations, rare allegations that have rare, you know, specific stories. This is something, you know, where people, this many people just don't make up and maybe it'll get resolved. Maybe it won't get solved something, whatever, but it's just, you, I don't know. It's, it's a very sketchy situation. Like you said, three first and two seconds. That's bad. And you got guys, teams like the dolphins, you know, they, they can do that, but they obviously aren't going to with the status he's at right now. No, exactly. And you know, the hardest part about the whole situation is the evidence, right? The evidence is going to be very, it's like the glove don't fit for, for OJ. You, the evidence from back yeah. then, it's so hard to find that kind of stuff. You know, uh, these allegations, all they are, are allegations right now, but at the same time, if they're just allegations, then why hasn't another team traded for him already? Or why has exactly. not the Texans decided to say, Hey, this or this, or we're going to give you this or this, but it's just so hidden. You know, this, this whole situation was blown up so fast and then it just got quiet so fast. It's all just a plan for the for the uh, Texans to, you know, cut him and then sign him back and put him at corner or something, put him at safety. It's just... Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's... starting strong safety for <laughs> the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson. Oh, Deshaun Watson, yeah. That's, yeah. But I don't know. To me, it's just, it's a whole lot of... Uh, it's, it's just a whole lot of mystery. It's something that we'll definitely be continuing to talk about whenever we hear any news. But you who know, knows when the next week. new... Yeah, like who knows when the next stuff's I mean, we I I don't think Deshaun Watson is gonna play a snap in the NFL this year unless he somehow gets traded. But the NFL still has to like say, yeah, he can play. Exactly. You know, the, yeah, NFL, like the NFL hasn't come out with that. I mean, it took Antonio Brown a whole year to finally come back and play football. Yeah, you know, so you look at a guy, and that was just him being an idiot, throwing chairs and stuff like that. I mean, Deshaun Watson has 20 allegations against him. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, and I mean you look, it's so inconsistent you know the nfl is so inconsistent with their punishments and with their you know suspensions and stuff because you look at a guy like kareem hunt do booted a chick in the head and now he's one of the best you know rb2s he could be rb1 anywhere you know what i mean like to overcome it just like that so but then you look at you know other guys where you got you know, josh Tyra gordon Kittle, who's never ever got to josh, play <laughs> yeah josh gordon you know bro just smoke weed you know like what's i'm no stoner but what's wrong with that and you can't let the dude play like come on man like it's just it's so it's so inconsistent and it, it really pisses me off sometimes because the NFL does they just need to do better. And you look at yeah. situations like this where it's like like let's get this show on the road. You know what I mean? Like the season's starting in a week. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy the way they've been kind of all over the place with everything they've ever really done recently. But yeah, you know, I think that honestly it's gonna be interesting to see how all this Deshaun Watson stuff plays out. I mean, interesting, I guess, in a sense that we're curious as to what happens, but I just hope that, you know, everything turns out correctly, you know, everything turns out right, but we're going to keep you guys updated. We're going to constantly be on here talking about it. I mean, it's a, it's a hot topic. So, so you guys got to, you guys got to stay in touch. Yeah. No, you guys got to keep in tune here. We're going to keep going up with these updates week to week, whenever we hear anything. And, you know, another week to week thing we're going to do, we're introducing a new segment to the podcast. We're going to continue, you know, week to week, we're going to give ourselves our strategies and, you know, our bold takes on the offense player of the week, as well as, um, the team records, you know, week to week, we're going to go through each of the matchups and get, give the team that we think is going to get the, get the W for the week. And at the end of the year, we're going to see who has the better, the better record. So if you guys are interested make sure to stay tuned and we will see you in the next episode. See you guys.